Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, good morning. It's the breakfast huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for Mind Your Business. And this morning we're talking about the growth of the global geospatial industry. It's accelerating and it's estimated to be worth 432 billion US dollars in 2021. You wonder what the consolidated numbers for 2022 would be when we eventually get it, right? Well, the industry is projected to grow at a CAGR of 13.1% between 2022 and 2023 to reach over $1.4 trillion in value by 2031. Wow. Uh, The Asia-Pacific region set to retain the dominant market share throughout the period. Now, the trend is partially driven by the widespread adoption and development of these technologies by governments and public health agencies to fight the pandemic, spotlighting their practicality and effectiveness. So geospatial technological applications do not end there. I mean, the scope of use for geospatial intelligence and analytics is only widening with the integration of AI, yeah, into ground and satellite technologies. I mean, it'd be quite interesting to see what new trends we can expect from this. And on the line with me this morning is Rupert Owen, co-founder GeoConnect Asia at Montgomery Asia. Good morning, Rupert. Good morning, Elliot. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot for helping me out with this one, Geospatial Trends. We've talked about this before on the show, and i got to admit, I'm still trying to understand the geospatial industry in the region. Any chance you could help give us a quick overview? Well, I think just a quick definition on geospatial. It's referring to any type of data related to a geographic location. So um, that data is usually secured from remote sensing satellites and global positioning systems. And in that context, it's a global phenomena. Everybody has access to this technologies and it's growing across continents in Southeast Asia. We were talking about the industry in the region and as you were describing it, I'm curious, you know, on the back of that, you've got things like mapping, scanning, surveying, monitoring, GIS, visualization. I mean, how else can these trends continue to develop? I think it's really by best use cases. There's a lot of really good examples out there of governments, especially in Singapore, with its digital twins and mapping of the city on a regular basis, both every every five years by air and uh, every two years at street level. And putting that data into bigger data sets and then integrating that data with legacy data. So there are lots of challenges around that and lots of business opportunities. That's at the uh, government level as an example, but also in uh, utilities, business, transportation, defense and intelligence, of course, around Southeast Asia is a very big one, and infrastructure development. And geo-BIM and geo-based intelligence systems can help uh, a lot in the construction business where digitalization is one of the lowest levels across all sectors. Wow. I do wonder, I mean, with, with mentioning all of that, is there anything that's that's a little bit more mainstream for me? <laughs> I think probably at the, so the, I think one of the biggest challenges is actually the transition from the original data collection environment of the surveyors who have traditionally been getting out on the streets and collecting documentation and data and then taking that back to the office. That is now all, all automating as laser scanning uh, on the streets then allow the automation of data back to an office or back to a central point. That can also, if it's a bigger project, actually be transferred into other offices in other parts of the region or the 
world so that data can all be integrated in real time into a project. And that makes it much more efficient for everybody at the operational level from street through to a project office through to the master plan to make things happen, um, but in real time with any checks being possible at that moment of collection of data. As you were describing that, I, I, I can sort of picture like a, a shopping district and, you know, goods moving into supermarkets within this shopping district. I mean, this sounds like the perfect time to have this technology to help with the supply chain challenges that we're facing. It most certainly is. I mean, I think there are, there are many, chain, many challenges in the supply chain, apart from wars and uh, COVID. Um, I think the data sharing is one of the commonalities, which is really helping everybody. And of course, that helps the larger organizations agglomerate and become more efficient. And between port authorities, for example, in the Netherlands, the competing ports of Rotterdam and Amsterdam actually work on a, uh, a neutral, not for for profit data sharing system called PortBase. So I think if people take out the competition between people with common interests, there's always an opportunity for moving forward and also progressing in terms of uh, better outcomes for the traders and ultimately the consumers. And also in the tracking of vessels and individual containers, it means that the traditional bills of lading systems and associated payments can be replaced by faster payment systems by actually tracking a container as it reaches its destination. So actually this, this becomes a trade finance business as, as much as a, a logistics issue. So there are lots of changes happening through which technology is a major facilitator. Mm. Interesting, you, you bring that up. I, I do wonder though, now, in light of all of this, if you take the competition aspect out the window, does more need to be done to encourage adoption? I think there's a, a, a lot happening at the moment. I think the changes in the tech market in general and certainly amongst some of the big uh, players in the tech market will actually enable a lot of new graduates and uh, schools and engineering institutes to actually change their direction of travel, perhaps in, in terms of the types of people who are going to be coming out to the market. And that will help grow the system uh, immensely because, as you mentioned earlier, robotics, artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles are all very interesting subjects and they're all very high tech. And I think there's a whole group of people out there who want to get into that. And in terms of what we're doing, we're also adding the Drones Asia event to that. So uh, the drones technology sector, the uh, unmanned aerial vehicle section is growing exponentially as well. So bringing all that together, I think, offers opportunity for taking geospatial into the mainstream, but by carrying people with it and people having a better understanding about what it can achieve. Wow, it's it's quite fascinating, and especially when you see Singapore with its smart city agenda. Rupert, your thoughts on you know what are some of the trends and and the industries that are going to be impacted in Southeast Asia and Asia Pacific, you know, this year and beyond. Well, I think one of the encouraging things about Southeast Asia for, for the next year is it's probably going to be one of the few regions which is actually growing. But it also allows a lot of time for catching up on and, and concentrating on resilience in infrastructure. I think sustainability in Singapore is one of the major issues because it is such an advanced economy. There have been so many smart investments. and But for the region where there's the climate change stress, there's food security issues, and also budget stress point. It's going to be a very different story. So resilience is very much that story, and that's what we're focusing on at GeoConnect Asia. It's also the um, absorption of new technologies by Asian countries is always much faster than elsewhere in the world. 
And I think that will really help uh, bridge, uh, take forward a lot of the opportunities in 2023. And as I mentioned before, while there is a slowdown from the bigger tech companies, some might choose to swap into new new technologies and take advantage of that and uh, grow new businesses around it. Mm. Is there a case for, and the reason I'm bringing this up is really on the back of, you know, overnight hearing about how China is uh, pretty much done with their uh, crackdown on the tech sector over the past two years and further supervision of that sector will be normalized. I mean, just on, on a very vanilla point of view, does this encourage, you know, such technology, geospatial technology to, to want to go into China, especially uh, on the back of their reopening on Sunday? I think maybe it's the other way around in a way. Uh-huh. China actually wants to bring you know, technologies to the world. We actually have three or four companies from China already exhibiting up with us next March. Um, some of them are globally renowned companies. So I think there's been a, you know, three years of waiting and hurt for many exporters in China to actually go into the international markets. Actually going into China, there are many challenges and many companies choose not to for many reasons uh, in terms of trading, even trading arrangements, I think is the best way of putting it. So I think the opportunity is there, certainly if you're, if you're selling uh, high-level specification equipment uh, to the railways, to the infrastructure companies in China, there's a lot of opportunities at the high end of the market. But I think on the other side of the coin is the fact that the, uh, China is desperate to export and needs to export and, and reconnect with the world. Mm, and it is going to be quite an exciting year ahead. Uh, and, and you've been talking about this uh, GeoConnect Asia set to return in March this year. Uh, we've talked about some of the things to expect, but uh, how do you see this year's event different from uh, the ones from previous years? Fortunately, we're pleased to announce it's going to be a purely face-to-face event, uh, which will be the first ever since we launched in 2020. And there will be more than 100 companies from around the world taking part. We're very much focused on offering experiences and solutions, uh, educational solution-based talks, so that on the drones event, for example, we have three to attend stages uh, for subjects uh, covering mining, agriculture, flood management, building maintenance, And then on the digital construction side, we have an exciting lot of options in terms of how workflows and workplaces can actually automate uh, and then also bring in the approach to the net zero obligations that companies are now having to meet. So we have a lot of different focal points, which I think will make it really interesting integrating the geospatial with the building systems, with the drones and UAV marketplaces. Mm, I'm quite interested in the drones part. And I like how you mentioned that uh, it's a face-to-face event. It really puts the connects in the geoconnect. To Asia. <laughs> at last, at last, we've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Rupert Oban, co founder, GeoConnect Asia and Montgomery Asia on the line with me. Rupert, I appreciate your time this morning. Take care and have a great day ahead. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.